0: i Spaces Hello and welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Citizen Spaces, chatting with Risby from Gelato. Let's take a listen. All
1: right, why don't we get started? Uh, This is a one hour time capsule for you and uh, for the audience uh, and the general populace to understand who you are, where you're coming from, and also to introduce uh, Gelato, your project, uh, which is a decentralized casino and also your validation service. So why don't we get started? Go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, cool, thank you very much. Uh, Hello everyone, Uh, my name is uh, Risby and I am the co-founder of Gelato. And as you said, we are a decentralized IBC luck-based gaming platform. And that's definitely not the only thing we do. We also do Web3 infrastructure. So we have, you know, active validators currently in Juno, Evmos, Stars. We're working to get active in Osmo and Kuju. And besides that, we also have an NFT collection called Gelato Shoppy. Holding these NFTs have really cool utilities, like special boost on our gaming platform. One percentage of all game pots will go to NFT holders, and a bunch of other various uh, utilities as well, too. So you know, Gelato is definitely not one thing. It's multiple things working together to hopefully provide a very fun and awesome experience. Do Cosmos and beyond.
1: Okay, uh before we get really deep into uh Gelato itself, uh, I got uh, I pulled up your website and I I'm, I'm seeing the uh roadmap, one year roadmap and I want uh, get to get get us into that. Uh but let's step back and uh what you were doing before Gelato and why you got into Web3 and uh, uh started a Gelato project.
2: Yeah, I've actually always been interested in Web3 from like really back in the day. I remember like trying to mine my first Litecoin. Back in the day, trying to do Bitcoin, Monero. So, just the idea of like having some type of system that people can use where you don't have to trust each other, everything's public, like that kind of really drew me to the technology. And when I first encountered like Web3 uh, a few years ago, at that time, I didn't really think about it as the next internet. You know, it's kind of like, oh, this is a really cool concept, cool way to like give people money and things like that. But as I followed along, followed along, followed, you know, amazing projects like Ethereum, Algorand, you know, I've kind of heard some stuff about Cosmos. And then just over time, I just kind of saw the possible. like, wait a second, this isn't just a, you know, transfer your money thing. This is like a whole new, like, paradigm shift you're potentially looking at being able to build decentralized applications that people can use without, you know, having a third party or anyone involved. So that's kind of what drew me to Web3 over the last few years, I started a crypto mining company. I've done, you know, various small projects on the side, but nothing really as big as Gelato. And about a year and a half ago, I met up with my best friend, Daniel. And, you know, we went camping one weekend, and we just started talking about gaming, Web3. And just this idea of this, like, decentralized luck-based gaming platform sort of came into, like, view. It was like, hey, you know, what if we built this? What if we started with the lottery? And then eventually had dice, poker, and all of that and that's kind of just like the hard like that's kind of the early idea of what gelato was and then starting earlier this year we actually started the project we dove in you know we wrote our first uh, randomness algorithm we started learning Cosmosm. and after that just it's just been a really awesome ride so far within cosmos
1: okay and i see that uh you have recently um partnered up with uh, smartnode so are, is a smart node officially your node operator or validator, and you are uh, operating the digital de- or decentralized casino as a uh, top funnel? Like, how does that work? How, how does Not that at partnership? All. So, work? smart nodes currently
2: is our technical partner. So, when we first entered this space, you know, because we're still new to Web three, but we've had a lot of uh, infrastructure experience in Web two. Like, if you go to my LinkedIn, you'll actually notice that I've done DevOps. For maybe a decade so far and a lot of my friends are within the space so when we first you know joined the space we talked to a few different validators seeing if they can give us their you know help us with knowledge help us figure out what's the best way to you know go onto these chains and whatnot and SmartNode was one of the few people that came around and really talked to us really helped us gave us guidance and ultimately it was like hey what if we form an official partnership where if we need any type of help or anything like that we can ask you guys for that to provide us support and if you guys need any time, because eventually, I know smart nodes, they want to get into, like, building their own dApps and things like that. So then they would be able to leverage our knowledge and our help. So we run our own infrastructure. Currently, we're we're renting some hardware space from smart nodes while we build out our entire infrastructure. Our goal is to build out a hybrid cloud slash bare metal infrastructure just so we can scale out as much as we need. So, so far SmartNode has been like a really an awesome partner, but that's all they have been is a partner to us.
1: So where is uh, Gelato and you guys located and where is SmartNode, the validation service located?
2: Yep, so currently we're mixed between cloud and bare metal. The SmartNode infrastructure is actually located uh, in UK. And then we're also looking at stuff like Google Cloud. So all of our RPCs and REST servers are currently deployed in Google Cloud. And we're also provisioning a bare metal, uh, you know, infrastructure facilities in California. So we're hoping that within the next few months, we'll have, you know, some of our validators running in California, UK. And if necessary, we have the option of running it within the cloud if we wanted to do so. The whole idea is kind of to have our machines all over the world. We kind of don't want to have a single point of failure because, you know, let's say California goes down and a power grid goes down. We don't want all of our services to be down, so being able to expand to a different geolocation as quick as we need is definitely ideal.
1: So, Gelato and your team is mainly located in the East Coast, U- U.S. Yeah. So, Daniel and I, the co-founder, uh, we're from New York. So, I would say yes, uh, definitely from the East Coast. And the you said the smart node is uh, mainly located in UK, right?
2: Correct. The data, the data the data center is located in UK. And
1: how long has? Uh, how long have you, has uh, SmartNode been around and when did you when did the gelato start?
2: SmartNode has actually been around for a while from what I recall. When I first entered the Cosmos space, I think maybe two years ago or something like that, I started with staking and stuff like that. And I saw, the, you know, SmartNode I was like, hey, one of the options. One of the things that kind of drew me to them in the beginning, if they had something called flash protection, I was like, oh, wow. You know, if something happens, these guys will sort of, you know, uh, take care of it. So that's kind of what initially drew me to them. And when we started our uh, validator slash, you know, gelato you know, project, we started, yeah, I started initially talking to all the people I've initially staked with. So I reached out to various validators and it just happens to be smart. was one of the first early people to reach out to us, give us guidance and it's been great ever since.
1: Is uh, SmartNode running all their validator service on Google Cloud or AWS Cloud, or do they actually have their own facility where they run their bare metal? Uh, service? It's all on
2: bare metals. Cloud SmartNodes itself does not use anything in the cloud. We ourselves, Gelato, want to build a hybrid infrastructure, which is bare metal plus cloud. This way, we can scale as much as we need and have high availability. But SmartNode does purely bare metal.
1: I might have heard uh, SmartNode offering their service to other uh, entities other uh, uh labels, uh, like as a white label service. Is that what is, is, would this be what it would be uh, considered a, a white label service? Oh,
2: definitely not. We have our own DevOps slash infrastructure team. It's currently me and another engineer. So we actually run the infrastructure. We run the validator. Smart node doesn't have our keys or anything. They're just giving us hardware space for the particular, you know, for whatever validators we want. And they're also giving us additional support if we do need it. In the early days, we definitely had a lot of questions, like how to get started. But since then, you know, we have in total five validators. You know, we don't ask too many questions anymore, but it's nice to know that if we need something, we at least have a direct line to someone who's definitely very experienced in
1: this space. And since uh, SmartNode um, y- your current reliance on SmartNode as a validator service. You're, it s- sounds like you are doing some DevOps and uh, have your own servers within your facilities. Uh, where is SmartNode's most of the uh, nodes and uh, uh, distributed uh, s- server networks located? Mostly in Europe, I assume? That's
2: correct. It's mostly in Europe today. Uh, the reason for that is, you know, SmartNode wants to be able to, like, run to the data center if there's an issue we'll be able to help out. So that's why it's located mostly in Europe, uh, near them. But the goal for Gelato, at least, is to be globally distributed all across the world.
1: And uh, again, I guess the, it'll be the last question on SmartNode, uh, so spe- specifically, I guess, because your backend is currently uh, connected to them. The, um, are they? You, you said Google's. Uh, they're using Google Cloud and not Hetzner, right? No, no, sorry. I'm saying we're using Google Cloud for some stuff.
2: From what, I'm, from what I understand, they don't use cloud at all. They're 100% bare metal. As I said, Gelato wants to do a hybrid infrastructure where we have some components in the cloud and some components in bare metal. And this ultimately allows us to be able to scale out whenever we need. We're actually looking to containerize all of our services, including validators, RPCs, relayers, REST, and so forth
1: since you are a uh, smartnose uh, customer uh, would, would you be able to get back to me once you find out more specifically what what like their their nature of service because you're saying you you guess they are or you're you're kind of assuming um uh, i'm wondering if you could find out specifically whether they are running bare metals on their own distributed services or whether they're I, relying on head I, can
2: only, I can only speak to what we have you know what type of partnership we have. And from that perspective, we're renting you know, some server space for them. So in terms of their own operation, what they do, you know, who they work with, we don't really have any insight into that. It's the same equivalent of if we went to a data center in New York, like, hey, can we rent your server space? That's what we're doing with Node. But the additional benefit to that is if we have any validator specific questions or questions about Cosmos infra, they're sort of
1: there to help us give us that assistance. Great. Um, what other uh, services, uh, technical services, do you guys have partnerships with? Whether they be validators or other DevOps operations, or under other technological or even marketing partnerships?
2: Ah, uh, we actually don't have anything else. Uh, everything else is pretty much in house. Uh, you know, from the beginning, our co-founder Daniel, he's always already involved in blockchain development, so we already have sort of that covered. You know, we have some friends in marketing. We have full-stack engineers that we know that are part of the team. So we don't really have any other technical expertise outside of the Gelato team. SmartNode would be the only exception. Uh, And that's because, you know, know, before we started Gelato, I had a great experience using them. They were great people. And it seems like they were kind of open to helping us out and helping ensure that, you know, we're able to sort of grow it within this ecosystem.
1: And uh, how big is Gelato right now? How many people do you have working with you guys? Yep. So we currently have uh, Daniel, which is our full blockchain
2: architect. We have myself and uh, Brett, who are DevOps engineers. We have Brian, who is a full stack uh, engineer, does blockchain plus front and back end. We have Johnny, who is a blockchain engineer. And then we have our ambassadors for managing our communities and stuff like that. That's about five people. So I would say in total, Gelato is about 10 people so far.
1: And your primary primary uh, role there is? I'm um, sorry, can you repeat that again? And your primary role? Yeah, I currently own infrastructure and business
2: development. So, you know, coming up, you know, what type of games we're going to build, getting customers feedback to help us determine what type of features we're going to go with, deciding which validators we're going to spin up next, actually getting those spun up in testnet slash mainnet. That's kind of what I do now. But my hope is in the long run, I could focus primarily on infrastructure, because that's kind of where my true passion is.
1: Are you the currently the only one or are, is there uh, other associates uh, in, from Gelato that is uh, out and about in Twitter spaces? I would say a lot of our ambassadors are. That's kind of their role, along with growing the community is also helping
2: everyone within the public space to sort of get informed. So I do do a lot of the messaging out there. But we definitely have additional help from our ambassador community within uh, Gelato Discord that kind of helps get the message out and help people keep in, uh, keep people informed.
1: OK, uh, let's see. Let's let's get rolling here with your one year uh, roadmap that, that you posted on your website. Um, so the third quarter 2022 this year uh you i guess uh, launching the gelato platform testnet it's on and then launching a gelato platform on mainnet and then uh it's showing the airdrop of uh g key or gltl holders um so has that all been accomplished at this point
2: yeah so we're actually in mainnet we call it beta we originally was planning on launching the official platform end of september but due to you know feedback during uh testnet uh testing and whatnot we sort of you know got a really awesome set of things that our our user base wants us to implement so we're probably going to push out the official launch date to after thanksgiving so we'll send some content out about that but yes our first lottery game technically is on mainnet and we're up and running
1: and the fourth quarter starts with the mega jackpot and other line items that you anybody could see uh, if you go to uh, Gelato.io. Uh, what really got you interested uh, in focusing on the notion of a decentralized casino?
2: I mean, for me, I'm I love playing poker. You know, I've done you know I've gone to the casino. That I just love that atmosphere. One of the problems I've kind of noticed always is Whenever it is like an online casino, <clears throat> the people who build the casino they're kind of the house, so they kind of have a lot of incentives to be like, Hey, maybe let's do stuff that benefits us and fucks people over, or let's make our code sort of uh closed source. So that's kind of why we wanted to take a different approach. Like, we love luck based gaming, but one of the two things we really want to ensure is first, the gelato isn't the house, and that's why we unveiled us uh, a feature that's going to be coming out soon called stake of the House. So this way, users. We'll be just take the gelato token, and when players play games like day, slots, and other games, if they win those games, then it comes from the house, but if they lose those games, it gets distributed back to the house. And the other big thing we want to do is make all of our code open source. So currently, if you go to our GitHub, all of our lottery contract, our airdrop contract, our token contract, all of that's open. Everything happens fully on chain, and that's a goal for us, is to keep doing that. We don't want to do anything in a back-end service that people can't see. We want everything to happen on-chain where it's fully
1: auditable. And it looks like going into first quarter 2023, your main goal is to create a DAO, right, using the staking of the GLTO. Uh, and then uh, following in the quarter, uh, second quarter 2023, it looks like you're going to be adding some N- NFT um, uh, assets. Um, and the rest of the... Rest of the year for 2023 looks like just building on that platform, the Gelato platform for the multiplayer games and whatnot. So, if you could just uh, briefly summarize for us what your plan is for the next year.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that that was going to be really big, important part. One of the things we wanted to do from the very beginning is ultimately make Gelato a framework. We want to show people all the types of games you can build on blockchain. And then give those people those tools. Like, hey, you want to do random stone chain? Here's a package to implement this. You want to do this? Here's something you can implement. The goal kind of, the goal is any game builder should be able to come into the gelato platform, make their own game, get it running on testnet If the community votes for it, then it goes to mainnet. And then those game builders can collect a royalty as long as those games are used. So I think having a DAO in place will sort of help us ensure that people who are interested within this space, that there is some type of funding that they can take advantage of to help ensure that they're able to be successful. To me, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but there's like uh, Mario Maker, Nintendo released this, where you can make your own Mario World, share it, people can play it. Like when something like that went live, it kind of went crazy. The amount of crazy levels and games people built using Mario Maker, that's kind of the goal of Gelato here, is to show people the possibilities of the types of games you can make, and then let people go wild. If people want to make a crazy, you know, crazy card game or a dice game or some type of slot like game or something, they should sort of have all the tools to make that happen. So next year is sort of focused on helping build that infrastructure so you can get additional developers to come and help build, building out additional games, and just ensuring that we're also creating, you know, new validators and other chains that we really want to support. Because ultimately cosmos is doing great things you know it to me it definitely is the next internet and besides the gaming platform to be the next internet there's a lot of infrastructure and things you need in place and that's something you know i love i love infra so being able to spend all of next year further working on our infra you know for gelato i think it's gonna be awesome
1: i see that you are also uh uh, spun up a validator and star uh stargaze network uh what is your what do you see as a connection between juno and uh, stargaze uh, chains for uh gelato
2: for us we really want uh nfts to be a big component of our platform so we already released one nft series as i mentioned earlier holding these nfts give you a certain percentage of all the game pots boost uh, on the platform and things like that so And in the future, we also want to build games using NFTs. So one of the games we want to start looking into that's not in the white paper, but we will be exploring by the end of this year is animal racing. The idea is you have animal racing NFTs, let's say horses, pigs, and whatnot, and people can buy these NFTs and actually race them. And then we also want to have add-on NFTs like you can give your animal a shit ton of coffee or cocaine or an apple to sort of boost your stats. But if you give them too much of something, It could boost their stats, but also kill them. So, you know, when you think about gaming, I think NFT has a really big connection into the gaming side of things. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. So that's one of the reasons why we wanted to spin up a Stargaze validator, because, you know, we want NFTs to be a big part of this platform. And we also want to support Stargaze, uh, you know, chain, because they're they're, the reason why we're able to, like, you know, get our collections out
1: there in such an easy and affordable way. Uh, within Gelato, uh, uh, besides Eurus B, who, who 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 are the other uh, game advocates?
2: I would say most people on the team. If you talk to Daniel, he's a very big game advocate. Our full stack engineer Brian, who's also a really good friend of ours, he's also really a really big game advocate. He's really into music as well too. And one of the things we haven't really seen too much within the space is people incorporate like sound and music into their dApps, that's something I know Brian's very excited to do. So, like, have really awesome games, but then also have really awesome soundtracks and, you know, noises for when someone clicks a button and things like that. So, honestly, I would say almost everyone who's involved in Gelato today, they're a big advocate, you know, for gaming and getting gaming within Cosmos.
1: You said that you've been uh, uh, you, you you have started to gravitate into Web3 like uh, two years ago or so, you said, right? Yeah, I would say about two, three years ago is when I like what seriously did, started looking into it. What was the first blockchain ecosystem or community that you started with? And why did you, uh, what makes uh, Cosmos the uh, place to stick around for you guys?
2: So my very first coin that I ever got introduced to was sort of Litecoin. So I knew Bitcoin sort of existed, but, you know, everyone was kind of talking about it. So I was like, hey, what can I look at that's like, you know, kind of different because so you know, to me, I was like, hey, if everyone's already on the Bitcoin train, what's the next big thing to we'll take a look at? So I think Litecoin kind of got me interested. And then from Litecoin, I sort of you know, came upon Ethereum. And to me, Ethereum is where it's like the programmer in me, like, holy shit, now I see the real potential. I can see us like actually building stuff using Ethereum. So Ethereum was cool. But I think ultimately, like a lot of people, the amount of gas fees and slowness just kind of eventually got to me. So I started branching out and researching other blockchains just out of curiosity. I looked at stuff like Algorand, Polkadot, and eventually Cosmos sort of captured my attention. And I remember reading an article, maybe it was like a year and a half or something ago, it was about Cosmos being like a port city. And after reading the article, I was like, wow, this kind of really makes sense of how this could be like the the next internet. And then I discovered IBC, I was like, holy shit, like this is so much more superior than actually using a bridge. So, like, from the investor point of view, I started investing in Cosmos, started researching projects, and eventually the engineer side of me was like, hey, let's take a look at Cosmos and see how to actually do these things. And ultimately what drew us to this ecosystem is stuff like Juno, stuff like, you know, Atom, they're sort of built for developers in mind, you know, to give you all the tools, make things easy. So this way you can focus on business logic and things that you want to do and not have to figure out stuff like, hey, how do I create my own blockchain or how do I query this information? Like all that's handed to you, which makes it really easy, you know, from a development point of view to come in and build something.
1: That's pretty hilarious that, um, uh, um, uh, Ethan Buckman's, um, uh, uh Writing about cosmos as a port city uh, is what got you hooked, because I'm campaigning to have the, have him have him let that go, <laughs> because I've I've done uh, like a five years of uh, research in port cities as an architect uh, for prefab housing uh, uh, back in my days, and uh, port port cities are not inspirational places. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Cosmos being obviously about Cosmos, it, it's way more inspiring and way more uh, uh, future oriented. And it, it includes all of us. It, it includes uh, neurodiversity, uh, all kinds of people. And it, it just uh, allows more room to grow. Uh, but that's just an uh, analogy. It has limits, obviously. So but I'm glad you uh, got hooked into that.
2: I agree. I'm not saying port cities are great for me. When I read that article, I sort of closed my eyes. When I thought about a I kind of envisioned all these separate applications and chains having a common place where they can talk, interact, and you know, I'm not saying that has to be Atom itself, but I think like the Cosmos Hub. So to me, that's kind of where I visualized it. Definitely not saying it's the greatest thing, but it's at least what got me curious enough to be like, hey, let me dive even further, discover IBC, and then from there, and then you know, finding Juno. Wow, I was like, it's it's basically Ethereum but better, you know, faster, more scalable. So. Yeah. Cosmos is fucking amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're all wired differently. We see things, we hear things, we, we might see and hear, hear the same thing, but we could interpret things differently. So uh, like different narratives, different storylines, different uh, awareness, different marketing, they all work for different channels, different wavelengths. So uh, it's all good. Um, Let's see here. You um, let's see. We're about a halfway mark here. And, uh, Let's get to the juicy stuff, spicy stuff. Um, I first heard about you, actually, now that I've been listening to you for close to, I don't know, like 20, 30 minutes, um, like I, I do recognize your voice. And the first time I heard of your voice and of of Gelato at first was on uh, Twitter spaces. And I stumbled into, because I follow uh, Kevin Garrison at uh, ONI Validator, and he's, and I, I didn't know who he was at first. I thought he was just a free uh, fellow citizen of Cosmos. And then later I found that he does validations, and I found that he actually is one of the lead uh, leaders and Junos uh, that came on later out of nowhere, and now he's doing a great job. And so... I first heard of you and uh, Gelato because there was obviously some sort of contentious uh, stuff going on with what you were doing, what how you're trying to do NFT drops to uh, as validators, and I, I believe I, I didn't get too far back researching into it, but I believe Kevin Garrison, being quite you know known as a, a diplomatic guy, was actually I don't want to like I don't for lack of a better word like putting a palm in your face, right? Like saying no, you can't do that. Which kind of goes against a permissionless state of Juno, but again, like that's not really me understanding fully what went on before that. But on that spaces, I remember uh, distinctly remembering that uh, Kevin Garrison was kind of backing off of his uh, hard uh, stance against no, and then was having a conversation with you guys in a, in a group community. I believe there was like fifty or so people, mm-hmm. and. It sounded like he was coming around to being more open, and then you were being quite uh, patient, in my understanding, because you were obviously alone in your advocacy for this casino, this uh, NFT drop, and and from what I could hear, again, I don't know you that well. Um, I from what I could hear, it was a lot more of a Web two mentality, right, coming into Web three, and that's the kind of conflict or. cultural difference maybe that i kind of uh, heard and so and and then uh, i invited you to the space yesterday or two days ago because uh, jacob gadekin at notional was posting some video while he was down in uh, cosmoverse right now about you and about you uh your, um, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? Like what you're about, what you're trying to do. Like they were talking about with the Nest and other validator at the conference about doing some sort of governance slashing. So I wanted to give you a platform here to uh, give, uh, introduce what you, what you where you're coming from, what Gelato is, and a kind of one-to-one uh, quiet conversation that could get deep into why you're advocating for what you're advocating for. So can you lay that down for us? like what is going on at Juno Network and this? Yeah,
2: so I'll definitely address the first part first and I'll touch upon the Jacob stuff. So I think with the first part, when we first introduced ourselves to the community, so just to give you a little bit of context, this project is fully funded by Daniel and I. You know, we've saved a decent amount of money so we can work on it for a few years without having to take out VC funding or basically take money from anyone. We didn't want to do a pre-sale or anything. We wanted to build a project for the community and sort of, you know, sort of governed and sort of pushed by the community. So almost like a grassroots project. So when you don't have any money from, you know, VC companies or have millions of dollars, it's really hard to get involved within an ecosystem like this. Like to be a validator, it's, a, you know, once people stake with the node, almost very rarely do they redelegate unless a major event happens. So one you know, in a situation like that, when you don't have millions of dollars, and it's already a very competitive space. There's only a few things you can do to hopefully make yourself stand out. These things would include doing some type of airdrop, doing some type of lottery, and maybe you know flash protection or any other type of service. So we sort of came into the space with that mentality. It was like, hey, we really wanna learn and grow and we wanna do something great for this space. And the way we're gonna do that is we have a secondary token called GQ, which is for a really big game we're gonna have in a year. So people who stake with us will get a small amount of G-key, we'll give flash protection, and we'll also do lotteries as well, too. And this is all in the hopes of us, you know, getting enough attention, getting some delegation so we can make it to the active set. And, you know, when we came with this idea, you know, a lot of people didn't know about us or they didn't know our attentions, who we were, even though we were docs. So it was kind of perceived as, hey, these people could be bad actors and these tools could really be used to, like, you know, pull people away from validators and have everyone go here. So I think that was the original concern. I think ever since then, you know, we have continued to talk to the Juno and Cosmos ecosystem. We've continued to open source our work, communicate. So I think over time people have seen that, hey, these people obviously don't have bad intentions, but I think this idea of being able to like do lotteries and other things, bad actors could take advantage of that and use that for evil. So I think that comes back to what Jacob was saying. I believe Jacob wanted to create a proposal that bans lotteries and raffles within Cosmos. And, you know, he sort of was like, hey, we should get together. We should talk about this and see what you think about it. You know, other validators said yes. Some said no. To me, you know, I almost feel like, you know, it's, it's permissionless. It's a free market. You know, we shouldn't ban things. I think what we should do instead is a lottery is a tool, right? It's a tool to, you know, hopefully get delegations, give something back to people staking with you. What I would personally like to see happen is instead of of this being a tool only a few people can use, I would love this to be something that anyone could use. Think about Restake, right? Restake is an amazing application that any validator could leverage today to essentially allow the delegators to automatically Restake their amount. Imagine if that wasn't open source and only a few validators had that technology. Now those validators would potentially become very centralized because now they can offer something that other people can't. And if a bad actor ever got hold of that restate co- uh, code, if it was closed source, then they could use that to basically harm the network too. So in my viewpoint, there's no real way for us to ban lotteries on chain. What I would rather see happen is let's open source a tool. You know, we definitely, our lottery stuff is open source. And, you know, I would love to see maybe something, you know, we build or someone else build that other people take advantage of. And I think if we sort of do that, this will ensure that, bad actors who come into the space aren't able to leverage this tool for evil. So again, it's really hard to ban this stuff to governance because if you can't enforce it to code, then you really can't enforce it. You know, it's permissionless. You can't shame people into like not doing something. So instead of trying to, you know, socially ban lotteries and raffles, I hope you sort of take the other, you know, the other approach, which is let's make it available to all and let's let the free market do what it wants to do.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a several key strands of uh, topics that we could break out and have a further conversations on with the group of uh, larger validators. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Uh, Obviously, they're busy with Cosmoverse right now. uh, So I wanted to create a separate um, quiet channel just to hear hear more of your perspective, where you're coming from. And then they could, if they have time later, listen to more of your perspective as well. But. In, the, in what you just said and what they've been saying, what I've been hearing, um, there are, I think the first aspect of it is uh, over-promising and under-delivering uh, aspect, right? So you, like, there are a lot of players out there that are saying, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But when it comes down to it, when the push comes to shove or when things break, they're not there to support. The community or their stakeholders or their uh, delegators. And so, one example I, I would point to is a Thor chain where they have a impermanent loss protection, right? And that has a, a its own actual treasury. Some people could vet that process and see it and how much uh, uh, the treasury is actually holding so that in case of impermanent loss protection, uh, the protection kicks in, the insurance is a form of insurance. Uh, and then they have a, a specific articles that write uh, that talks about how it actually works, because there's a lot of people that confuses that, you know, any permanent impermanent loss is uh, protected, which is not the case. And, and so um, for audience that or people that are just getting into it, there's a lot of scammers. Right. So like they are obviously watching out for that, especially from new, new players that they never heard of. And so. That might have been the first flag that went up and uh, caused issues, but it's a good thing because I got to hear about you guys and uh, it started started doing some uh, basic research, and understanding to understand because you don't come across as a uh, uh, somebody who is. I mean, you're you're, you're, expo- you're exposing yourself. You're you're uh, sharing your time and energy, explaining things in a very patient. way patient manner. And so, I thank you for that. And I think more of the understanding and consensus could come uh, because I do think that, like, I'm not a gamer. I'm not a a casino uh, type of person. Uh, So, like, I, I, but, like, Juno Network is a permissionless network, right? And so, there's, like, two dichotomy here going on. Like, one is that, One could be for or against certain type or certain lifestyle, right? You could be supportive of that or you could just not be supportive of that. And not being supportive of it doesn't necessarily mean on a permissionless state or permissionless change like Juno putting like saying no to you or doing something that is authoritative because that in itself is being permissioned. And so... There's there's two two things. Like one is okay, this is the project that I advocate and you could be for or against it. You could support it or not. But I don't think Juno specifically should be the chain that denies people, right? Because it is permissionless. That's its brand. So it might be rejected in other places like osmosis or Cosmos up, uh, but I'm a strong advocate of Juno Network itself being a permission, permissionless state or permissionless chain, even for validators. And so it could cause some ruckus, it could cause some wild, 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 west situations, but that's what permissionless is. And I think Jake Hart, Hartnow and others talk about that. And so I don't know where the leadership or the uh, subcommittee DAO governance is right now, but um, I I hope that this conversation that you're having, uh, which is enabling more of the Web2 tokenomics or Web2-centric business mindsets into Web3, which, because this is a transition. We can't get to Web3 in, in a one slam dunk. Like We have to use some of the uh, economics of Web2 to help us get up, get to Web3, is my opinion and is my uh, understanding. Um, where are you? Where are we, if you don't mind bringing us up to date, as far as this current conversation uh, within Juno Network and uh, Gelato specifically, as far as the uh, validation incentives and all that? I think the
2: most important thing to keep in mind is, if anyone who's been following us since the very beginning, you'd be like, assume like, hey, a lot of like big uh, people within Juno, like Jacob hates you guys or whatever. To me, I would say that's usually not the case. One thing I'm really happy about if regardless of how things were in the beginning, it seemed like everyone involved within the validator service, everyone part of the community, they ultimately want what's best for the ecosystem. So there isn't currently a solution in place, but I'm happy that at least conversations happening. The fact that Jacob didn't put this prop all, you know, on chain saying, hey, let's ban lotteries or he's saying, hey, let's have a conversation about it. You know, same thing with slash protection, but like, hey, if you guys have it, let's find a way to do it through code, this way you or anyone else can prove it. So I think that's kind of what we need more of is ultimately it is permissionless, but I think we should all you know, try to work together to make sure that it stays fair for everyone. To me, you know, i look at the current problems we have in the world. So I love capitalism, but like in America, for example, you don't really have capitalism. You kind of have capitalism to the poor for the poor and you have socialism for the rich. You know, the idea of you could bail out, you know, save a company because they've done a terrible job and bail them out. I hate stuff like that. I don't want to see stuff like that happen within Juno. What I want to do is just make sure that everyone has a fair and free chance to do whatever they want. If you are a bad actor and you're trying to harm the network, there's stuff in place like slashes to help prevent that. I'm just not in the camp of telling someone what they can or can't do. The same way I don't want someone telling me what I can or can't do. But if there is something that's being done that's perceived to be harmful for the network, I'm just saying, let's all talk it out. Let's get to a solution together and whatever it is, I think it will be much better off by having everyone's input
1: versus one person saying, Hey, this is what I want. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And we'll have a further conversation. Uh, nothing needs to be done overnight. like, And it is not going to be done overnight. So, uh, and and again, as you know, network being permissionless uh, network, uh, I, I am hoping that uh, people would be more open to ideas instead of, um, uh, shutting people down. And um, yeah, what I want to say too
2: is, you know, we started validators and we're spinning up REST and RPC service and all that. Like, yes, we're doing it for certain reasons, but ultimately, one of the reasons, big reasons why I wanted to be involved in governance, why Gelato wanted to be involved in governance is back to what I said, it's trying to help keep all this fair, keep the conversation going. I think recently, you know, there was someone who like proposed, you know, funding for June of like, Hey, we're building X, Y, and Z. We need this type of funding. The usual mentality is, Hey, we're going to give you no funding. You got to do everything yourself. You got to prove it. And then we might give you something to me. That's not really a great way to grow a network. I believe in the opposite. If you have someone who's experienced, they have the roadmap and you can see what they plan on doing. Let's give them a shot. I kind of want to try to bring that type of mentality into the cosmos ecosystem where it kind of is, you know, fair for most. You know, sometimes if you got in early enough, like imagine if you're one of the early Juno validators, you're like top 10 or top 15 now, you might kind of forget what it feels like to try to climb up there and try to like help the uh, ecosystem. So I just hope that more and more validators and people get involved and try to help ensure that these chains remain like competitive, you know, accessible to most and ultimately just healthy.
1: Yeah, I think uh, social converse, social consensus is uh, a step forward, moving in before we get into the protocol governance voting. And so, I, I, I encourage you to have a more uh, uh, inclusive and more open conversation with uh, uh, Jacob at Notional and uh, Kevin Garrison at Oni and uh, Jake Hardno at the at the Juno Network and others, um, and you know get their feedbacks and other community participants opinions um jerry i've invited jerry so here's a game that we're gonna play we're gonna i've been having this uh, technical issues with spaces ever since i started about a, a, a week ago i invite the second guest speaker or second speaker but i get this connecting wheel of death always and i can't hear them they might be able to hear me so Rizby, you're gonna have to be the ibc relayer if if you can hear Jerry, I will I'll, I'll, uh, stop talking so that you, uh, he could speak. Can you hear Jerry? Risby, can you hear me?
2: Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay,
1: Grisby. so you're going to be the IBC relayer on Twitter space. Let me know when it's finished because I can't hear anything. <laughs> Sounds good.
3: So we can say anything we want about t and he won't hear it? <laughs> That's basically it, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, where do we start? No, Risby, it's great to, to talk to you. I, I saw that the that you were up here. It feels like forever. It's great to reconnect. It's too bad you and I, we couldn't make it to Cosmoverse, but it's so good to be back. You know, I, I heard you talking about the whole Juno thing, and, um, you know, I just wanted to make a comment on that and say, you know, I really don't think there should be commission minimums. I think if you're like a starving validator and you want to offer a discount or some kind of incentive to get people to to uh you know stake with you they should definitely it it should be okay and i love that it was shot down by the people in adam they were like no you can just you know why can't you set your own rate why can't we have a free economy like that you know um i think people who are at the top the top validators love the minimum because they can you know speed off like you know there's no competition basically everybody has to do the same right um but I, I We need incentives, to, especially to get people to stake to other validators. It's, it's killing me to this day that, you know, um, Rusty and myself, we stopped with the knots discounts because of the, the feedback we were getting. Um, you know, basically, we're being told that we're breaking the rules and, you know, it was a bad look for knots And, you know, we don't we never want to have a black eye like that. You know, we want to be respectful and and you know trustworthy and 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 whatnot. But it, yeah, man, it was it was killing me to see to see the you know the backlash on that. And I'm glad that you know you're still able to offer the incentives with gelato and and you know try to work your way up the Juno chain.
2: One thing I want to say to you, like you, you know Jerry and Rusty, like you guys are known within this community. You guys have done so much. The fact that someone would even assume that, you know, you guys are doing something that it might not seem good. Like, stuff like that's fucking BS. And I'm I'm sad that you guys, took, you know, sort of stepped down and didn't offer those diff- discounts and stuff. But stuff like that, I just always find, like, BS because at the end of the day, we all kind of have to do something to try and stand out. You know, just because you're an active set today, it shouldn't be something you take for granted. Be like, hey, forever, we'll stay here and we'll sort of squash anything people try to do to sort of unseat us. It's like... That's the whole point competition is healthy competition is what leads to the end users the investors the people who are staking get the ultimate deal and it helps the community so you know sometimes they feel lonely saying these things out loud because most people are like oh we, we don't agree with that or the big players say that's bad so we won't do it but my hope is as we grow into space as we build more partnerships and work with amazing people like you guys we can all start saying that, you know, like let's let the free market, you know, do its thing and let's not recreate the issues we have in today's world on blockchain. Like the idea of having oligarchs who kind of, you know, like if you look at Osmo, the top 15 validators have well over 50 percent voting power. That is fucking bizarre. That's not decentralization. That's something that we should be screaming to the top of our lungs. If Osmo is such an important part of this ecosystem, it can't be that centralized. So. I hope more and more stuff like you know, validator incentives, lotteries, raffles, discounts. Let's make all these things happen. And if someone truly is a bad actor or they're terrible at running validators, then there's other ways of dealing with that.
3: Yeah, and just to play on your part. Now, if we were running our own Juno validator, Rusty and I would have just continued on um with the with the incentives because we we could i think just like you can kind of handle it like you know i think we can handle it but we partner strategically with rhino and he's such a great worker behind the scenes building cosmos and we didn't want to give him a black eye or any kind of nick and you know he has to work with other validators too so uh you know behind the scenes being a validator is a very tight kind of uh, clicky community and you don't want to be like perceived as the one who's like causing trouble and whatnot and Uh, and, and yeah, I totally agree with you. We need free enterprise. If you're not, if you're not purposely trying to harm the system, but trying to better it and give back, you know, Rusty and I, we always wanted to give back just like you want to give back. You want to incentivize people to be loyal to you, to stick with you and to grow with you. And I've always felt that way. And I know you feel that way. Um, I I'm hoping eventually Juno will open up to, um, you know, giving, you know, different commission rates so that we're not all stuck in this. Well, we're all basically equal. So just, you know, stick with one at the top.
2: I mean, Rhino is definitely great. And when I think about like the top brands within Cosmos, to me, not certain like the top 15 I think about. So I think if you guys ever did want to start your own validation or go down a journey, I think you guys will fucking kill it. Like, we need more people like you, creators, normal people who are trying to support the network. This idea that only multi million dollar companies or people who got in super early are the only ones who can really do it. I kind of hate that notion. So, Yeah, I'm happy that we're at least having this conversation, which means that it's not me who only feels this way. So I hope, you know, as time goes on, as you said, I have Juno and these other chains that are open up to the idea of like free enterprise and letting people do what they want without, you know, it actually harming the network. Sorry,
3: sorry. Uh, I'm going to turn it back to Cedison so you can fill him in. But, you know, my my last point on it, and I'll continue listening, is that I hope that Juno becomes more like Adam. We see within the Adam chain, people, resoundingly rejected the, uh, the notion of minimum commissions. I applaud the people. They love free enterprise. And if you look at the commission rates in Adam, they go from one, there's even a couple of freebies, like people starving validators. They're like, hey, we'll run it at 0% just to like, you know, just try us out, you know? And, and I love that. We need to incentivize. We need free enterprise. We need uh, an open capitalist economy. Uh, and I'll turn it back over to Cedison because I don't want to take all the time.
2: Thank you so much for that preach, brother. Uh, Seed, uh, Jerry's done, if you want to come back on.
1: Yeah, if the rest of the listener could throw up some emojis to let me know that you guys were able to hear Jerry, that would be great. Uh, If not, no worries. Um, When this uh, space gets uh, routed out to Apple or Spotify, uh, or even an uh, 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 audio library that I created on S- uh, Citizen uh, lower score spaces. Uh, everybody could hear everybody. So it's just that uh, when it's being recorded, There's I've been having some issues. All right. Um. right. Let's see here. We're approaching, we got like 10 more minutes or so for you, Rizby. Um. Uh, Do you have other stuff that you wanted to show about uh, Gelato? Uh, What you think of Juno Network so far, your experience being on Juno Network, and what your engagement is at Stargaze? I
2: do want to say something about, like, Web 2. To me, you know, I have a lot of friends who are engineers, and a lot of these people live in Web 2. And when I talk to them about Web 3, a lot of them really aren't exploring it. So it's it's gonna be kind of interesting. I feel like now you're starting to see a lot of Web2 people start to slowly learn about Web3, we transition over and build apps. I think it will be a crazy scene. maybe within a few years, when you have more engineers actually get involved just start building stuff, building tools, testing the network to its limit. So you know, a lot of people ask, you know, are we early enough? Is it too late for me? Should I invest in Adam or Juno or whatever the case is? To me, it still feels super, super early because at the end of the day there's a lot of issues within web 2 and web 3 addresses a lot of these issues and i feel like we're going to start seeing a great big migration one day it might take a decade or longer to do but i think a lot of engineers and people within web 2 are starting to realize the potential of this and when you have a chain when you have an ecosystem like cosmos that's sort of built for developers and anyone to get in to start you know start building stuff you know right out the gate i think a lot of exciting stuff is going to happen so you know, why is stuff like Shopify so awesome? Is because people can easily go build their stuff and have a shit ton of applications. I think that's kind of what we're going to see within the Cosmos ecosystem as well just a crap ton of crazy applications.
1: Are you uh, currently uh, programming with the Go or Rust? Uh, me, I'm Go all the way. Uh, so a lot of my coding
2: happens on the infrastructure side. So that's why like Go is where I first, you know, where I jumped in. I love it. But I am also starting to uh, pick up Rust. Uh, I think Rust is great as well. But Go is definitely uh, my first love.
1: So you must have picked up the uh, Twitter stream where uh, people like Frey and uh, Facebook Research and the uh, Paradigm Venture, they're doing the research project on eliminating tendermint altogether as a, uh, a consensus consensus layer and there are some amongst uh, within Cosmos um, like Larry OX and other developers um, at the uh, Delphi chains they're talking about getting rid of Cosmos SDK as well. So have you like what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I know you're early and this is also an early conversation. This is only a research this is not What's going to happen overnight? And there are obviously different camps of thoughts.
2: To me, like, I, I kind of feel it's too early for me. At least as a developer within this space, to sort of be able to say how I truly feel, like what are their pros and cons. All I can say is what we have right now is working. It's made it easy for our team to get onboarded into the Cosmos ecosystem. If someone wants to come in, build their own blockchain or do stuff, it's all working. So where we go in the future, what we get rid of, what we transition to, I just don't personally feel educated enough, at least in that space, to tell you what I think. My hope is, you know, maybe in a couple of months, maybe next year when we have having this conversation and we built a lot more stuff, that I'll have more of, a, you know, an opinion. So I want to give one, but I also don't feel comfortable just because I know I'm not very educated on this topic yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an early early conversation. And uh, again, it's a pretty deep research that they're just basically publishing papers on. Uh, they don't even have a testament or, test center or anything like that. So it's going to take years. Uh, and again, like you're saying, what has worked so far, the modularity, it's going to get... Uh, I forgot that the name doesn't come to me immediately. There's a two key people that is at the core of developing Cosmos Hub, um, SDK, and they both... Uh, uh agree that they're doing everything they can to actually break up Cosmos SDK into even more modular state, modular uh, elements okay. so that uh, people could play around with that even more on a light uh, organizational basis. Um, let's see. Yeah. What if- I do want to say
2: is I kind of feel like everyone who's a developer within this space, I kind of see them as scientists. Like for me, you know, because I feel a certain way today, if new data is presented, be like, hey, this is our finding. These are the things we think we could get rid of or change to. Like, I'm happy to move in that direction. Like, I'm never like, hey, this is what it is. So we got to stick here. If they have a better idea of what they could do to make this more accessible and easier for people to use and the data is there. Hell yeah, let's give it a shot.
1: And the last, uh, I guess the last comment I want to make about this permissionless state of Juno, uh, like I'm an architect. And I have tendency, uh, I'm I'm old enough, I've ran my own business for 25 years. And being a boss man all my life has its downside, right? Because I never worked as a server, uh, understanding the perspective of the customers and clients. And so winning too much in life, you pay pay your price. You, it's like, uh, um, when other, my friends would, basically say, well, they work with like billionaires and they're like, no, I, I don't think I want to work with founders <laughs> or at least the ones that's been founders all their life because they're, they're used to getting their way and their perspective. And so because, you know, they have visions and whatnot. But like for the last six years, I've been astray, like since discovery of blockchain, it, it being a completely revolutionary architecture for me. Uh, which brings the architectural components to uh, democratizing the world. Like that's the power being returned to people's time and energy. And that is when I stopped my business altogether. And like when a next door neighbor, like so I have two buildings here in Chicago, uh, they submitted a, a permit proposal. This is like a real estate stuff. And they're like, well, we're going to open up a bar next to your building. It's a 4 a.m. bar, which means they're going to be drinking until 4 a.m. There's going to be rowdy bunch whatnot. And everybody in my neighborhood came up and said, no, not in my backyard. It's like a nimbyism because they want to protect their property values and all that stuff. And me being the very next door building where this bar was going to come in, where my shop is, uh, I said, no, like, it's okay. Like, go ahead and do this. And because the very next door property owner said it's okay, they came in. So the penalty that I, probably, that I pay is that at 4 a.m., people get out of the bar, it gets rowdy, that's about it. Uh, so I, I'm a complete advocate of being open. Um, like I think, as you said, uh, the early investors, early uh, venturers, early voyagers that discovered islands and discovered nations and discovered blockchains are gonna have ten- tendency, whether they like it or not, it's, it's gonna be innate instinctual nature to protect their culture and nature. And I think we ought to be open and uh, to live live out to be uh, delivering on the promise of of Web3, which is about sovereignty and decentralization. And that's what I'm here for, is to serve the bottom 66 or lower 66% of the free citizens uh, that are trying to get in and to to establish their stake in the ecosystem. And uh, I do... um, Uh, I am aware of all the good stuff that all the top tier people are doing because they got here early, Uh, but I do resist and kind of have a a tendency to uh, work against that tendency where uh, the architect types are trying to tell us, no like we know what we're doing and that's not obviously democracy. So, um any final that's my last rambling. Um so any final yeah. thoughts from from you Gelato, before we wrap it up?
2: Yeah, I, I would just say like the type you're describing the people who come in who think they know what's best for everyone. Like we've seen people like that try to do the same thing in real life it's never really worked out, you know, it's because ultimately these people who've been handed most things in their lives don't really understand how it is for normal people. Like for me i grew up in a project i had to fight for everything i have in my life you know nothing was handed to me and now you know luckily i lived to work hard i own three homes i own a few businesses like i fought for everything i had so nothing boils my blood more like hypocrisy or people telling me what to do and that's the type of energy i just really want to build bring to this ecosystem is where everyone can do what they want to do you know as long as you're not harming the chain no one telling you what you can or can't do and just yeah, you know, I'm. I'm looking forward to being more active in this. If you hear my daughter in the background screaming, apologies. I think she just got up from her nap.
1: Yeah, I'm an immigrant myself. Uh, came came up from nothing. Um, now I have. Uh, I live a life of abundance, and it's not just uh, material resources. It's of love, peace, and clarity. And that's uh, why I give back my time and energy to uh, people to share uh, my understanding and also my time. Uh, so to give back to the community. So, yeah, keep going. Uh, I think uh, what you're doing is very interesting. I'll keep an eye on you guys and your projects um, and wish you all the best.
2: Yeah. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to jump on
1: here, sort of talk and sort
2: of get our you know message out there. This was really awesome. And hopefully we get a chance to do another one in the near future. Thank you again.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, just I, I would I would uh, I I'll be interested in uh, following what the validator cores and your involvement at Gelato with the Juno is doing. So I, I hope uh, that you guys could carry on the conversation on a social level uh, before it gets into the protocol governance voting. So uh, so I invite all of us for that, and that'll be uh, uh, great to hear. Okay, um, I think we'll wrap it up now. So it's exactly one hour mark.
0: Thanks everybody for coming. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was A citizen Space chatting with Risby from Gelato over on the Juno Network. Recorded on Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support.
4: analyze those situations what you find is is that we as humans simply have a profound inability to understand statistics and probability
0: stitching these writings living that life like who would have guessed you turn out this nice right Avoiding stress that's the motherfucking secret print that shit on a motherfucking leaflet i'm just an asshole hooked on the bricks looking at the rectangles damn they kind of thick we've gone through a whole lot of kings here
4: earth a living hell. In fact, I, I live in New York City where in our harbor we have a statue of Liberty. If you melt the water ice that's on, on land, the ocean level will rise to reach her left elbow that takes out all of New York City. And basically every other coastal city that we've spent thousands of years building uh, in the, since the dawn of civilization
0: Temp spaces